I've heard you in interviews talk about how you kind of think that um, another thing to preserve, not not just having a Christian government, but also uh, making sure that immigration is either stopped or at least it, it, it's severely um, reduced. And yeah, well, I mean, given my given my what I presented earlier, which is this idea that our that we are connected to people based upon a relation of kind of our our ancestral connection to a place and other people's ancestral connection to a place, right. not not race or blood, like I said, but um, that would mean that if you flood, it doesn't matter who the immigrants are. It doesn't matter if they're Russians or they're Mexicans or they're, um, I don't know, I guess even Canadians, uh, but it, <laughs> it doesn't matter what, what who they are. Um, if you, I mean, in a way, Canadian, well, anyway, I won't get to that, but um, uh but I mean, if you do that, what you're doing is you're introducing people from a very, like a different place to a new place. And th that's okay on like the individual level, e even people like, I know even people like Enoch Powell, you know, like the, the British guy, very controversial, even he's like, he was like, yeah, I mean, I'm okay with immigration. I just mm -hmm. mass immigration is a problem. Like, you know, so. But what, what, like individual immigration is fine because then people become integrated into society and, and they become ancestrally one of us. And there's no problem with that. And you see this, we, I mean, we, the U.S. has seen this in its history significantly now. People come here and they we kind of become one. But it, like with mass immigration, especially if it's like a, a constant flow, that means in your communities, you have a constant stream of people who have no actual ancestral connection to this place mm -hmm. okay and so you're constantly dealing with that issue because one of the things is like this reciprocal nature of like if you have if your people have been here for a long time you have this like reciprocity in the with the place itself like this i love this place i'm not going to just kind of take i'm just not going to take 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 but if you're new here you don't actually have that and this people are going to say this sounds like races or something but it doesn't it doesn't matter what race someone is this is true for everyone there can be this like sense in which you're you don't have a reciprocal relationship to that place but more of a sort of exploitive like you come here for economic benefits you work you get the economic benefits of it but it's not like this reciprocity between your your love of this place rooted in generations but it's more of taking advantage of the material conditions that make it kind of give you a sort of better life in that sense Mm -hmm. And but what would but what but what being here for several generations means is that this is your home. You have no place to go if things go bad. You're not fleeing. I mean, think of like remember Ukraine. Like when Russians attacked Ukraine, people were trying to flee Ukraine. Plenty of Ukrainians <clears throat> were too. But if you look at the the uh, some of the videos I saw of people getting on trains, they're they're mainly foreigners. They were non-Ukrainian workers. They're mm -hmm. like, this is my country. I'm out of here. And so they, they got out. And I it's understandable. If I was in Ukraine, I'd be like, I'm out of here. I'm not fighting for this place. It's not my country. Uh, but if if these same people had been there for years, for generations, regardless of their historical national origin or their ancestry, they'd say, this is my home and I'm going to stand next to my Ukrainian, like, you know, the whatever, racial, Ukrainian, whatever you want to say, and I'm going to fight fight for it. Um, and so what, what I, this is my point now, everyone's going to think I'm like racist or whatever, but, but the, the, uh, um, what I'm saying is that we cut off, like, I don't want immigration from anywhere because I think we need to, as a country, build up generations. The people here 
need to have, we need to start building up generations of people here so that this becomes their home based upon that, that love that I talked about before. That makes sense. And this yeah. one, that's, that's it my takes- motivation. It's not, it's not because there's too many Mexicans. It's not because there's too many, this or that it's because there's, there's a, it, it's very disruptive of that process of becoming a people when you have constant flow of people who have now jumpstart their kind of, in a way, their new connection to a place. Well, you even talk Basically. about English people escaping persecution, going to other places in the world and not fitting in, being barred. Oh, yeah, yeah. From... Yeah, this is one of the things like people, people are like, well, all my, you know, all, all my examples in the book of actually cultural conflict are between white people. Right. My knowledge. And the, and, and the examples I used is during the like 1540s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So during kind of the Reformation era uh, and during the persecution in England, a lot of Protestants from Scotland and England fled to the continent and they stayed in usually these key cities like Strasbourg, uh, Geneva. Um, what else? What, what other cities did I say? I'm, I'm, I'm on top of my head. I can't think of for some reason, but they go to these places and uh, they they would there would they would cause a lot of conflict and it was cultural conflict differences in in part in religion had a big part of it uh, but also cultural conflict the towns themselves would say that okay you artisans from England you can't practice your craft here because you're competing and have different ways and you're undercutting and doing this that we, we, we you know like we don't conduct business like you guys do and you, you're taking advantage of that and so they would cut them off from being able to practice their craft. And they did this because there was like a sense in which all these English newcomers were disrupting their way of way of life. Um, and yeah. And, and so the, I, the, they, the, it's just a clear example of, of, of how cultural differences can be very disruptive. Uh, but anyway, no, yeah, no our differences make us strong, Stephen. you don't understand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, you know, and there's so much more. I know we're running out of time here, but there's so much more in the book. I just wish we could talk about. You talk about really, some really helpful, honestly, probably one of the most helpful uh, areas in the book, which we could have spent a whole podcast on, is is you're talking about um, uh, revolution and uh, Christians' uh, duty in some cases even to uh, disobey, uh, to even replace governments with. I mean, it's, it's stuff you're not hearing from your uh, top 10 CBD books. And, and I think gives you a kind of a path for, um, for some of the tyranny that we might have coming upon us in some areas. Yeah. Um, that, and I think that was uh, super helpful just to even know the history, to know that there's Christians who have had these thoughts and written on them because mm-hmm. we're totally uh, kept from uh, thinking those thoughts or, or understanding what those before us have written on this and you just bring it right back up. So I appreciate yeah, so that. I mean, so so in the book, I have several chapters that <clears throat> that deal with the definition, and I kind of, in, in a way, I close it, close, I don't know, seventh chapter, I forget which one. I say, okay, I'm kind of done with the definition of Christian nationalism, but I have to deal with some of the things. I want to deal with religious liberty. I want to deal with revolution. I want to deal with some American history, and um, yeah, so I have the chapter on revolution. It follows uh, from some of the thing conclusions from the, the chapter on the Christian Prince for the magistrate. And uh, so I don't want to give the full argument here, but yeah, I, I thought that was, that that was necessary. It, it's kind of weird how Americans, American Christians are so uh, kind of scared of the idea of revolution um, because like we were, you know, how do you think we came about people? Uh, there, there's a, a, a revolution um, obviously. And so, 
this was kind of a, a way to justify uh, to provide a i think a uh, a justification for for revolution um yeah yeah i mean i don't know what else to say i i don't get any argument would just be it's it's kind of an involved argument because it's a very complex it's not it's not as obvious as oh we have a tyrant so let's just go pick up our our guns and our fight rakes. it's a pretty yeah. pretty complex yeah i mean there's like there's got to be theoretical justification because uh civil rulers are they have their power of god um and in in a way going to like conducting a revolution is resisting that person who is magistrate or sort of deputy of God. So how, how do you, how do you work like issues of kind of the, the, the questions that arise from reading like Romans 13, like how do you deal with this question of, well, are you resisting God because he's the deputy of God and you're doing a revolution against him? Like then there's the Nero question and all that. So yeah. um, I, I, someone would have to just read the chapter to understand the argument, but well, you're very careful, yeah. I, and I appreciate yeah. that you're not uh, f- throwing flames or anything like that. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, and, and one yeah. point is like we also have to think through this carefully. Like most revolutions in history just didn't end up well. Like Americans are very, the American Revolution is a very unique instance where it, it actually ended well. Right? I mean, th- there's some revolutions that were in a way successful, like French Revolution, but then ended poorly for several reasons in several ways and times. Um, even though I don't, you know, but that's another subject, but, but a lot of other revolutions either were unsuccessful as in actually deposing. And when they were successful in deposing actually ended up being a nightmare. So, um, well, <laughs> uh, so you have to be very careful in, in um, how you go back to about doing it. Yeah. Whether it's feasible and all that. Yeah, you have also a section. Uh, I thought actually it was the most potentially controversial section on the uh, enforcement of uh, the civil magistrates enforcement of both tables of the law and yeah. justifying even things like uh, the civil magistrate punishing blasphemy and these kinds of things. Or, uh, And I thought you made such a strong case from Christian tradition, at least, that it has to be those who are going to object to it have got to do actual homework. They can't just be sloppy and say, you know, Stephen's a Christo fascist or, or he's a, uh, it uh, doesn't believe in freedom of speech because you even say you believe in freedom of speech there. Um, but it was man, open my eyes, even that section. Um, history I knew because if you study political history, you you obviously know that some of these things were punished, but the rationale behind why uh, was is not yeah. really taught much. So, um, another very helpful section, in my opinion. Yeah, so that was that, that's a chapter on uh, what's the title like liberty of conscience. I don't remember the title of the chapter now. Um, that was an editor's so. choice, probably anyway. But uh, but yeah, like liberty of conscience, uh, chapter nine, I perhaps. And yep, chapter nine. Yeah, yeah and yeah, and I I spent probably like a few pages saying now what I'm not. Well, I don't say what I'm not saying. I'm saying the question. So I I spend like a time saying what is the actual question here. And that, that's an old method of, of trying to boil down exactly what the dispute is. And I think right off the bat from just saying, I'm not like, the question is not this, not that, not that, that, that it precludes like almost all the objections you hear from, from this. And then I get to the actual question. The question is, uh, I mean, do you have it in front of you? You can read it, but um, there's, oh, there's an actual, yeah, I can pull it up. Sure. But, but there, but yeah, there, there's, you know, the funny thing is I actually don't have a copy of the book yet. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, are you serious? I do not have. It's not the editor's fault. They, they actually, when I was in <laughs> Moscow, when I was in Moscow, they handed me a book and said, uh-huh. oh, here. And I was like, okay, thanks. And I put it down. I did one of those video interviews and then I walked uh-huh. away and left it. And oh, no. I didn't get it back. But I, I really don't care. I got a copy online. But, um, I mean, you bought your own. You had to buy your own book. No, no, no. I have a, oh, I have okay. a, a PDF. Um, so the question, uh, be doesn't long, Christian the Nash, one. the longer one, um, I'm trying to find what pages oh, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But the, the, the idea here is that, oh, so, so wait, I think I found it. The, the question is whether a Christian magistrate having civil rule over a civil society, Christians may punish false teachers, heretics, blasphemers, and idolaters for their external expression of such things in order to prevent any injury to the souls of the people of God, the subversion of Christian government. Christian culture or spiritual discipline or civil disruption or unrest. Is that the one? Yeah. So the key yeah. things is external. So uh, once to my mind, like, so you, you can't punish people for their beliefs in themselves. You can't punish people for having false beliefs as, as an internal thing. Uh, you can't pry open people's souls and say, do you really believe this? And then if they say no, you hit them or whatever. You, so you, you don't actually persecute the conscience itself as an internal matter. But, uh, but what I say is external religion, external or an expression of it. And this would be, and uh, you can punish that. And it wouldn't be, the punishment is not simply because they said it. It's not to try to correct them from not believing it. It's a sort of protection of the people who might end up hearing it such that it might harm their souls or might disrupt the the society let's say you live in a, let's say you live in a christian society that's you know generally orthodox and you have some guy spouting off anti-trinitarianism or or some kind of uh, anti or like some sort of like atheism let's just go atheism atheism well, is a better example well i could ask that I, I literally have a patron who asked would you shut down mosques hindu worship centers so we yeah. could use that as an example so like in the united states i i the, we have a, a like a thorough tradition of religious liberty along those lines and uh, and I, th- I i don't see why you can't have a thoroughly christian society christian government even like a sort of a t- established church and still permit people to have their own independent place of worship so like even i mean J- jews were clearly you know, like persecuted and and disliked for much of even among the reformers and and uh, post reformation guys but but uh but most of them said that Jews could have like their own synagogues so e- even in a time where people were extremely assertive about what's true religion here now and no one's going to they still said Jews can have their own synagogues now in in our day with the american tradition yes i mean you can the, that would all be permitted but that doesn't mean that you're committed to neutrality so it, it means that that they would be exceptions to the norm so like uh like like in a school like a public school public schools should be christian schools and a public school that's a christian school doesn't mean that you would deny people who are non-christians from being in the school from participating in the school but they would be exceptions to to the norm and so if let's say there's like a christmas you know like you know a christmas play or whatever and they don't want to participate in the christmas play because they're not christians i mean that's understandable so you say well you don't have to participate in the play but it would be expected of everyone else uh, to do that. Uh, yeah. So I guess well, the answer to the question is no, like you would not shut down these things. Um, like when I was yeah, growing I was, up, this is a good example. Maybe uh, I had a, there was a park, right. That would display a Christmas tree and a nativity set every year. 
And when I was like maybe eight or nine, 10, you know, they put in a, um, a Hanukkah uh, display and menorah. And then um, when I was like 18 or so, 17, 18, all of a sudden all these like Hindu and Muslim and, and other religious things uh, were at the park. In your thinking as a Christian society, you wouldn't be required to, or you would not have to put these other displays up, I would think, right? It would, it would be. No, no, I know you, you shouldn't do that now. Right. So right. You, the, the, the public, the, the, the public institutions are, would be Christian institutions. And so they would, if you want to do a nativity scene, you know, uh, Presbyterians might not like it, but, uh, <laughs> and, and some of the congregationalists, but <clears throat> didn't even think of the, that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could have like a, a manger, but just not the baby. And I don't know, I don't know how they do that thing. But uh, 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 there you go. Yeah, okay, lost, so lost I mean, my train of thought. Oh yeah, so yeah. so they yeah, so you would just have the Christian because it's a, it's a Christian place. I mean, would you? And people like get up in arms, like, oh, I can't believe, blah, blah, blah. yeah, okay. Well, I mean, if if you lived in a Muslim country, would you expect them to put do something for Christmas in the Muslim country? I mean, of course we wouldn't because Muslims are have like like the strength of will to say no, unlike us. Oh, we'd be afraid to um, ask the question uh, from the. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. we, we would like, imagine Christians being like this, this demanding. Yeah. Yeah. You have like, to put our, yeah, thing you out. have to so, somehow it is one of these weird, I don't think it's a Christian thing. I think it's a Western thing. So it's, uh, it's a Western mental habit where we respect the demands of people, but would never make the same demands for ourselves. Okay, so like Christians in the West, they, they uh, or just Westerners in general, you know, like you said, there was the there was the, the Christmas scene or the Christian scene, and then all these, these other people said, well, you you know, religious liberty demand. I demand all these other religious displays as well, and we mm -hmm. say, okay, yeah, well, they demand it. We should respect it, but we would never do Christians would never do that themselves. It, it, it's in a way like we respect and acknowledge pe other people's demands, but then would say it's sin for us to do that. Uh, in fact, we, we our impulse would be to like, yeah, we shouldn't have anything Christian, but we should put every Muslim thing up. We should have every Hindu, you know. That that's like the it's a weird like self degrading uh, like mental habit we have. Look how inclusive we're, we're we like are, yeah. we're passive with regard to our own beliefs and our own positions but everyone else who makes these firm demands we just kind of like oh yeah okay we, we obey and yeah you can just do whatever you want so yeah um it's it's a weird thing it's but, a pathological but yeah but like in a christian nation under uh, uh that's self-affirming and explicitly christian yeah it'll just be christian things with exceptions now i have one question from someone on uh patreon uh that asks are you worried about this movement, Christian nationalism being hijacked by individuals who desire power in the, and are you willing to use the name of Christ? It, I mean, this is so early to ask this question, but, um, but further on down the line, this takes off. Your book is selling well. People are responding. Are, are you worried about people jumping in line? Republicans, for instance, who don't really share your values saying, well, yeah, I'm a Christian nationalist. Uh, I mean, yeah. they've done it before. So, <laughs> Has that crossed um, your mind at all or no? Well, I, I guess, I mean, it has, has crossed my mind. I mean, so early, I, I didn't know yeah, this was going to reach early. top 100 on Amazon yesterday. So I, uh, I, I didn't yesterday? know yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday it oh, was, congratulations. On, it was 80, 84. Uh, wow. Total number. Uh, Wait, what, uh, why the, is the that? You think, what do you attribute that to? So I, I, the first thing is, I think that, people desperately needed they, they 
a lot of guys in particular needed something. They wanted something like this. That is just an unashamed, direct, rational, dare I say, masculine approach to a question and just state it bluntly. And I think that's, they want that. And, um, in other words, they wanted to. I think they wanted to read something that treats them like men instead of one children and one female adjacent. So they, 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 they wanted that. I think the other thing too is Canon's very good at marketing and and, and uh, advertising, and they have a pretty big following. And then also like other people, like the NatCon people, have helped me out a bit hmm. um, and, and other things. So it's just been. I've, I'm just incredibly grateful because I'm just like this, this guy living out in the woods who write wrote a book you know and it's just so it's been really great to see just random people i don't even know like i'm so excited about wolf's book it's like wow cool uh, so it's very kind of a grassroots thing like I, I haven't had there's also been free advertisement from um neurotic enemies as well so i, I appreciate <laughs> I that as well that. Um, yes yeah like mentally ill like the mentally ill people have been very uh generous with their their negativity towards me and their advertising. Yeah. So I appreciate that as well. Uh, but anyway, oh. what was the original question again? Well, you worried about it being taken oh, yeah, over yeah, yeah. by yeah. Republicans. I mean, yeah, something. sure. I mean, yeah, I guess it could be worried about it, but that's true for anything, right? Like, right. I mean, it isn't everything can be hijacked. I mean, and I, again, I, I think it's a legitimate concern, but I, th it's also like, I just want to critique the habit. There is this thing in the West where, it, I mean, you kind of see like Rusty Reno's, uh, what's the title again? Uh, the Return of the Strong Gods. I have it right next to me. Mm -hmm. um, Return of the Strong Gods, where people since World War II have been so, like this idea that this is kind of scary. Like Nazism was scary. What we learned in some history books was scary. And well, what if this sounds strong? Like these are strong claims. What if someone hijacks it? Well, I mean, yeah, that, that could happen. Uh, but that's true for everything. But I think it's a habit that we have to then say, okay, let's dial it back and just be good old kind of like secularist again and just, just be neutral. Let's dial it back because this could be bad. Well, no, I mean, let's um, let's do our best to not have this happen, but let, let's uh, let's not be pacified because we're afraid of of uh, of this sort of thing. I mean, there are I mean, there are like some politicians out there that make me kind of nervous. But I'm just, yeah, and they're goofy, and I don't think they know what they're talking about. Uh, but th there's there are, there is a place for people like that. I mean, mm -hmm. um, like every, every movement, every movement has it. Yeah. Every movement's gonna have. I say this like in the conclusion, uh, very briefly. I say like every um, movements have like their intellectuals. They have you know their book writers. Then they have their foot soldiers. They have their warriors. They have the popularizers, the advertised. They have these people. And sometimes like the people who are a little kind of off uh, are uh, can actually bring the movement, uh, uh, take it a long ways. So, yeah, they're willing to take risks sometimes that more yeah, careful yeah. people aren't and that you need that for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what are your plans for the future? I'm just curious. I mean, you weren't expecting the success of this. Um, are you, I mean, are you running for public office? <laughs> <Are> <laughs> no, you? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, not. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I just, I just want to, yeah, I, I'm, I, I just mentioned the list of people I'm, I'm the book writer, uh, and, um, I have friends who are great networkers. I have friends who are good foot soldiers and warriors. 
And I think we should all work together and not, not look to, you know, don't, don't look to, to Wolf to be like this, the guy who's going to bring about the Christian national estate. It has to be something we do, do together with the diversity of our gifts. And so for me, I'm thinking about what, what's my next book, to be honest with you. Uh, okay. Well, I hope everyone else is thinking, what am I good at and how, how, how can I play a part in this, this movement uh, uh, do, and do what they, you know, and uh, do what they can do for it. Well, congratulations on your success. I'm very happy for you. And um, I know there's so many other things I wanted to talk to you about, but we've, we, I've really uh, taken a lot of your time already, but um, I just uh, want to steer people towards where they should go to get this book. So obviously it's on Amazon, but is there a special place you want people to go where it benefits you more? No, I mean, the, the push was on Amazon early on, so you can buy it on Amazon. Okay. I think it'll be, uh, yeah. So just, just look on Amazon for it. Okay. So go to amazon.com, check out the case yeah, for the Christian case for nationalism by Stephen Wolf. And, uh, is it going to be on audible as well or Kindle? Yeah. They're working on audible now. Yeah, they are. And okay. uh, soon there should be shirts. You see my shirt here. Oh, nice. They should have, they should have shirts. I know they have mugs now. And I, I think it'd be awesome if guys literally uh, wore this as their gym shirt because oh. it's uh, enough people are going to get around. It's a really cool, I mean, Canada did a great job on the, the cover art. And, uh-huh. and I think it'd be great if they, they had these, they wore these around and then they can meet people. They don't even know who's like, Hey, wait a second. I have that book. Or, I heard about that book. And not, not totally for my, and this is not for like, you know, this is not for, so I can sell more books. Um, but just because then you can start getting to know people who have similar ideas and, uh, in, in your, in your, in your, um, community or, or your gym, you could start a Christian nationalist, um, yeah, you know, like a group gym or club or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Club. Be great. R- raw milk, heavy lifting Christian. Yeah. Yeah. R- raw egg. Yeah. R- <laughs> uh, like a raw, <laughs> yeah, raw egg, raw milk, Christian nationalism. Yeah, awesome, brother. Well, uh, thank you so much for giving me your time and um, and, and to the audience as well. And uh, if people, last question, if people want to reach you, follow you, where can they go? Yeah, I mean, you can just search my name, Stephen Wolf, on Twitter and look for this. I don't think anyone's trying to imitate me yet, as far as I know, but you can find me, find me through that, and it should be there. Twitter. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, God bless, Stephen, and uh, All right. I, I hope for continued success. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.